here and for what he is going to do. I'm thankful to be back here on Wednesday nights with you all. This is one of my favorite times to come and uh, teach the Word of God and be here. These lessons are so challenging sometimes, and uh, they not only challenge me, uh, but they, I, I'm assuming, also challenge you, which is an incredible thing. And uh, so it's anointing not only here, but it also happens out there. I think we're cutting in and out a little bit. But uh, in Jesus' name, we're going to try it and see if it fixes itself. If it doesn't, we will switch microphones and uh, go forward with that. So just a few quick announcements uh, before we dive into the lesson here tonight. In May, um, we have a few events coming up. One of uh, my favorite holidays, if you all see the, the one right in the middle on the screen there, Pentecost Sunday, uh, where we get to celebrate the roots of who we are and what we believe and why we believe uh, in the Pentecostal fire and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and what it does to so many people. We understand that the Spirit of God is very important to living a life unto Him. It's a thing that begins to open our eyes to understanding and, and beginning to know His Scripture and His Word and His truth. And so we're going to celebrate that day. We're going to celebrate the day that uh, the Pentecostal fire came down upon so many people in the upper room and then began to spread to thousands throughout the world. And it hasn't stopped since then. No matter what governments have tried to do, no matter what people have tried to come up against it with, it has not been able to be stopped in Jesus' name. So we are going to celebrate and we're going to have a celebration as we should in America because we have the freedom and the liberty to uh, celebrate that Pentecostal fire. So along with that, we have a worship service uh, this Sunday night. So if you want to participate in that, you can. Uh, the men's meeting is May 16th. And then, uh, let's see here, the youth service is May 21st, which I believe is a Friday night. So um, if you want to participate in those, certainly do so. Definitely mark down uh, Pentecost Sunday because we will uh, celebrate that in the morning, celebrate that in the afternoon, and we are going to worship God and uh, give him some praise for what he has done for every single one of us in Jesus' name. Tonight, we are going to start a new lesson. It's lesson 3.1. And uh, it's going to talk about some neat things here. It's talking about thriving in Babylon. And so tonight is really kind of an introduction. It hits on various pieces that we are going to go through this month. Kind of just begins to give an overview. So if it feels like some of this stuff I didn't touch on it as deep as I, I maybe should have, then... Um, then please understand that later this month we're going to touch on it a little bit more and uh, dive into the facts of some of these stories more so than maybe we are tonight. But I'm still believing that it's going to give you an inspiration tonight to uh, live righteously unto God. It's going to, these lessons will give you an inspiration to live for God in this world. Uh, one part of being apostolic is that we live out what we learn inside of Scripture. So apostolic, you know, Pentecostal we talk about is the experience, but apostolic is really taking what we we learn an atmosphere like this and what we learn in the scriptures from the apostles and who they were and how they handled certain situations and we begin to live that out inside of our lives and take it out to the community and the people around us so that they can see that there is a wonderful life that they can participate in in Jesus name we begin to show them and demonstrate to them that we can live a holy life in the midst of a terrible uh, horrible world with things that sometimes spin our heads uh, a million miles an hour because we just can't keep up with everything that's going on outside of this room so you know it, it, it's interesting it is it's very interesting I, I just flew this last weekend 
and just the, the varying opinions, uh, people have began to proclaim their opinions by putting it on their mass. And so um, I saw some mass that said that, uh, that there was one guy that said this mask is as useless as Joe Biden. Um, I'm not saying that's what, what I, I support or my, my political views on this, this live stream, but then there was another person that had a mask supporting a movement, the, the BLM movement, and then there was another person that had a mask supporting another movement. It was just like thing after thing after thing that people wanted to represent who they were and, and what they wanted people to know about inside of that atmosphere. But it's crazy because our world has become one where everybody wants their voice to be heard. Whether it's right or wrong, whether they have evidence to support it or not, they want their voice to be heard. And so we proclaim, these people proclaim these things in our world, and it's also to us to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ to people around us, to show them that there is something that is much better than all of those things, that we don't need to worry about all of these other movements and these different places that are going on. And ultimately, even though uh, we may not agree with our president at certain times, whether no matter what political party you're a part of, there are certain times that we just need to trust God and say, even if I'm under a president that I don't necessarily agree with, I am still going to serve God and show people that uh, we can live for the, his kingdom uh, in the midst of this presidency. So that's what we're going to talk about here tonight in Jesus' name. So the righteous choice, we want to choose the righteous choice. I'm going to uh, begin with Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8 here tonight. And uh, I apologize here. Uh, can you jump on that, Brother Jeremy, and uh, click that next scripture there for me? Um, thank you, bro. Should be the slide. Perfect. Daniel 1 and 8. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the Enochs that he might not defile himself. So this is out of the book of Daniel, as you, you can obviously tell here. Some incredible stories in the midst of this book. But Daniel is one of those characters who really lived out what he believed. He wasn't one of those that was wishy-washy, one of those that was in this place on a Sunday morning and then completely different on a Monday morning. But he was one of those that he lived the same lifestyle, Sunday morning, Monday morning, Wednesday morning, whatever time of the week you found him, he was still living by what God had asked him to live by. And so the scripture is beginning to open our sight to this, that Daniel did not want to defile himself with, with certain types of food that God said he should not eat prior to this encounter with the king. He was sitting there with somebody who was very, very important in the nation. And if you thought about the president of the United States inviting you to his White House and you go there and you sit down at the table across from him and he begins to offer you food and you think, man, you know, this is a, an important time. This is so incredible. And he begins to offer you food that God told you not to eat. It would be a tough situation to be in to say, hey, I would rather not eat of that food because my God says not to eat of that food. It would challenge a lot of us in that particular circumstance. But Daniel held true to what he knew because he had practiced it many, many times before that. I think that that's clear in his life. It shows us that he continued to live out daily what God had asked him to live out. And so uh, if we practice daily when we come up to major circumstances, we too can win. So tonight, if you have a question inside of your life of, man, I don't know if I can actually stand up to that or make that same decision or be involved in that same way, the best way to prepare yourself for that is begin to prepare now. Begin to practice now when people challenge you and ask you questions and begin to challenge what you believe in Jesus Christ. Right now, stand up for it so that when that major situation comes, you can be prepared and ready to handle it in Jesus' name. 
So I'm going to read this introductory story here. It says, have you ever traveled to a country where you knew nothing of the language, customs, or culture? Have you been asked to eat of the food that you never have before sampled? If you have never traveled abroad, did you look to North American restaurants so you could pretend you were back home and enjoy the comfort foods that you're used to eating? In her book, Alan Was Away, missionary Georgine Shalm tells the story of her first exposure to Indian food. Her husband, Alan, had grown up in South India, but everything was new to Georgine. Alan decided that he wanted to take me for a special dinner on a rooftop restaurant that his family had frequented when he lived in South India. He had forgotten, however, that their stomachs were coated with, uh, with cast iron from years of life in India, where my stomach was like blowing glass in comparison. The menu was impressive. The aromas were tantalizing. The ambiance was delightful. And the food was deadly, absolutely deadly. I ate about three teaspoonfuls and passed the remainder to Alan, who had already inhaled his own plate of curry. Then the three teaspoonfuls turned, to, turned out to be my undoing. I'd had about five good days in India. The rest of my time that month would be spent in the bathroom. I could write about being ill and make it sound quite funny, but believe me, it wasn't a bit funny at the time. I was convinced I was going to die. To spare you and to keep my dignity, I'm not going to write about any details here. Just be aware that whatever you imagine, it was actually worse than that. When Daniel and his three Hebrew friends arrived in Babylon, they carefully selected cap as carefully selected captives, the plan was for them to go through an educational and dietary program that would qualify them for the king's service. This was to last for three years, during which they would learn the Chaldean language and eat some food and drink the same wine as the king. To follow his diet would, however, defile these four young men by violating the dietary code of the law of Moses. Daniel provided courageous leadership for the four, proposed he would not follow the prescribed diet. And as a result, all four rose to positions of significant honor and authority inside of the government of Babylon. So it's really an incredible story when we begin to think about Daniel not being willing to defile himself with this food of this country in Jesus' name. Sister C, I have one more thing to ask you. Can you turn this monitor down a little bit, the left? That would be amazing. Thank you. So Daniel had to challenge himself with this food. Yes. We can also do that on the back. So with that in mind, we should not be surprised that we do not feel at home inside of this world that we currently live in. We should not be surprised that we do not feel at home in the midst of walking through life at certain times. We are strangers and pilgrims on earth, Hebrews 11 and 13 says, and our citizenship is in heaven. It's from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a place that we go to to begin to seek him out and try to uncover and discover him in Jesus' name. But we come to services like this and we begin to get a little taste of heaven and we quickly realize that we never want to leave this atmosphere for anything different. We quickly realize that we don't want to leave the presence of God to go into world, the, the world to work and raise money and try to raise children and do the things that we have to do as adults. But for many of us, we quickly forget the thought that this world is not our home. We sing many different songs about this, but one of the songs says this, This world is not my home. I am just passing through. 
My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. It's a great song when we think about it. We also sing that, that, the other song that this is not where I belong. This is not the place where I am meant to be at, at certain times. But we forget that in reality, we are meant to be here. It's just not where our home is actually stationed at. It's like we have traveled to a foreign country, to a foreign place, and we have began to, to walk around that place as a tourist, you know, reaching people, talking to people, speaking to various cultures, eating their food, seeing what they have going on. It's very much the same circumstance here, that this is not our home, but we are going to be travelers through this land, passing through. It's an incredible thought when you begin to think about where you are at. So let me ask you the first question here tonight, but what are some things that make you feel uncomfortable in this world that we live in, in Jesus' name? What are some things that make you feel uncomfortable? Killing babies, abortion. Yes. Anybody else? Things that make you feel uncomfortable. Pain. Pain makes us feel uncomfortable. Absolutely. Anybody else? Some things that make you... Yes, brother. I can say uh, along the lines of the children there and babies and stuff, the uh, attitude of being the innocent is stupid. I'm not sure about that one. Hmm. An elderly person and people on the streets. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, nonchalant and coldness towards innocent people. Absolutely. Yes, brother. It may be a wimp, but it's a constant battle. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But then Christ is gracious or unsearchable. Amen. So that's what makes it worth it all. Amen. The flesh makes us uncomfortable. A lot of the circumstances. Yes, it certainly does. <laughs> Draws us into places that we don't want to be. It lets us experience pain. Causes many different ideas. Anybody else have anything that makes them uncomfortable that they want to shout out tonight? In Jesus' name. Yes. Yes. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Hopefully this lesson will help with that tonight. Yes. Yes. Hate. Very much so. Hate. It's all over the place. I mean, different things. If if you want to get depressed, then just begin to turn on the news on on the TV station on your phone or whatever that sort of thing, and begin to read that sort of stuff. Because man, it will it will get you depressed in a, a quick second thinking about all of that. But the good thing 
is that we are absolutely people who are apostolic. We're living in this world and, and we're meant to live here and to, to experience this world and to show and demonstrate to people that it's not all about these things that make us uncomfortable. And it is a good thing that some of these things do make us uncomfortable because it tells us that we are still being sensitive to God and listening to what he is telling us. It's when people don't become uncomfortable with certain things that it begins to scare me. That's the thing that makes me uncomfortable is when other people don't become uncomfortable because it tells me that they no longer have morals or a sensitivity to the things that God designed for us to naturally have inside of us to say, hey, maybe I shouldn't be doing that or be a part of that any longer or be involved in this area. And nowadays it seems like no matter who you are, you can be accepted and, and, and you know, certainly we should love people and we should try to reach them for the kingdom of God, but it very well hurts my heart when I see that people have turned greatly away from the things of God and are trying to defile them so greatly that they just want to destroy the kingdom of God. So there are things in this world that can make us very, very uncomfortable. And so one thing that can be good from this, though, what we can learn is that we have never been at home in this world. And so we're very likely going to always feel uncomfortable in this world. The generations after us will very likely feel uncomfortable in this world. But what we can rest assured in is that we are looking for a city that has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. We are looking for a city that is called the New Jerusalem that will ultimately come down out of heaven from God and it is a city that will be planted upon this earth and we will be able to live inside of it with streets of gold and no more uncomfortableness because we will be able to serve God the way that he was meant to be served and we can absolutely celebrate the day of Pentecost every single day. It's incredible. In scripture it says this in Revelation 21 two through five. Sister C, do you just want to flip through these as I read? If you can do that, that would be great. So verse one, or uh, verse two there says, and I, John, saw this holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and heard a great voice out of the heavens saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true, and they are faithful." If you need some hope inside of this world, this is a scripture that you can turn to and say, God, I want to be with you inside of that city when you bring it down upon this earth. I know that this world is not my home, but Jesus, I want your city to be my home. I want that to be the place that I begin to reach. And if you want some inspiration to go and to live for God and begin to do things right inside of this world, even though it makes us uncomfortable, and even though we have swords thrown at us and arrows that, that people try to pierce us with in, in various levels, even though we have those things, it makes it all worth it when we begin to think about the scripture and say, man, there's one day that I'm not going to have to worry about crying tears anymore. There's one day I'm not going to have to worry about feeling lonely or depressed or guilt or shame inside of this city, but those things are going to be washed away and something brand new is going to be built upon this land before us. 
I'm thankful that God has given us these options and showing us that there is a hope for us during this time. And so, although we hold heaven's passport, we are now living in metaphorical Babylon. Even though we have this before us to say one day we're going to be inside of that city, right now we are living in a metaphorical Babylon just as Daniel was. We are living in a place like like Daniel where he had to make decisions that were tough and hard. We're living in a place where we're held captive even though we wish that we could be free and just go on to heaven right now in this particular time. I think if we all had the choice of just stay here or go to heaven right now, we'd say, man, send me along. I would rather just be in that place at this particular time. But you know what? Daniel had to survive and live inside of this city of Babylon. God had called him there for a particular purpose even though he was called there or even though he was put there as a captive. And so the question must be asked, can we, the people of faith, even while we live, or can can we be people of faith even while we live in the midst of a pagan city? Even while we live in the midst of a world that makes us uncomfortable and begins to show us things that we don't want to see and begins to cause us to, to be involved in areas that we may not feel comfortable with. There's a scripture in Hebrews 12 and 22, and it says this, Ye are come into Mount Zion, and into the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to the God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and of the blood of the sprinkling, that that, that, uh, speaketh better things than that of Abel. Much biblical history is the story of people of faith living among faiths. These scriptures here tonight, I hope, are giving you some hope that we are meant to live in a place that is beyond where we are living now. That Hebrews was telling us we're meant to live in this heavenly Jerusalem. That's our place that we're trying to get to, the place where we want to live in the midst of God. And it's only by going through what we're going through now that we're eventually going to reach that place in the future. So biblical history, it tells us the story of the people of faith living amongst the faithless. I want you to think about Noah. He was one person out of eight in the entire world living for God. One person of faith living in the midst of many faithless people. That is insane when you begin to think about it. We get discouraged when our numbers here at church are even close to eight people. But think about it, if you only had eight people inside of your church and that's what you came to church for every Sunday and every Wednesday and the next Sunday and those eight people were the only people that understood and knew what you knew about God and you knew nothing about uh, anybody else inside of the world, just that they were out there doing horrible, terrible things, how hard it would be to live for God in an atmosphere like that. Yet Noah was willing to have faith in the midst of faithless, saying, I'm still going to trust in God. I know that he knows what he is doing, and I see that city on a hill that I would desire to reach one day. Abraham is another example of somebody who lived in the midst of pagans and people who wanted to worship all sorts of idols and all sorts of gods and all sorts of things in this world that did not make sense. Yet Abraham led his family to a place where they served God and they lived for him no matter what challenges were going on around them. 
Moses was another esteem that, that began to, to, to come forward and say that he was going to stand even when his people began to defile the word of God. Even when his people came to him and said, why did you lead us into this desert? You're, 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 God just wants to destroy us. It's not worth it, Moses. He still stood with his family and his household and he said, I am going to serve the Lord God because I have read his promises and I know what he has told me and I want to live in that city one day that is before me. Moses held fast in what he was doing. He had faith in God and stood strong in the midst of those places. So I want to ask you tonight, because maybe this could encourage somebody else, and if you don't want to say this, you don't have to, but do you have a regular spiritual practice that helps you keep focused on the things of eternal value rather than merely on the realm of this life? Do you have something that keeps you focused on God rather than focused on the world around you. What is it? Reading the word word in Jesus' name. Yes. What else do we have? Prayer. Prayer, Jesus' name. Amen. The Spirit. Yes. Being filled with the Holy Ghost every day. Come on, somebody. That's exciting in Jesus' name. Yes. Preachers of hope. Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody else? Turning off the TV. TV. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Turning it off, getting getting something hopeful inside of our lives, reading the word. Amen. Songs and spiritual songs. Songs and spiritual songs. Singing unto the Lord. Yes. Amen. Yes. Do you have one there, bro? Yeah. Yeah, say it. In mercy and loving kindness, I'll betroth you to me in faithfulness, and then, then you shall know the Lord. Anyway, that, that's yes. the song in a nutshell. Amen. I was thinking about it. it was awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So we have all these different things that we can get involved with. And, and some of us might have practices that maybe you don't want to talk about here. But there's times that we got to say, man, I want to come to God every single day. And we all understand in this room how essential it is to be involved in, in prayer every day. And not just prayer, but in, in spiritual prayer where God's spirit is influencing us so that we can step out into this world and not be influenced by everything that's going on around us. I'm just as guilty as the next person that sometimes I begin to see the news stories and start to think about, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm unsure what's going to happen. Am I going to have a job tomorrow? Am I going to be able to provide for my family and this and that? And just thinking through these thoughts that that sometimes worry me too much. And sometimes I have to turn that around and said that God's promises are so much greater. And I can sing and praise to him for what he has done today and shut those other uh, sources off so that they are not influencing my thoughts and what I am thinking in what I am doing in Jesus' name. And so Hebrews eleven fourteen and 16, it says this, all those who say there are strangers and pilgrims on earth, they declare plainly that they seek a country and that ultimately they desire a better country that is a heavenly place, that they want to go to somewhere where they know and understand that God is going to be and he's going to begin to wash away everything that we read about prior to this. 
And so for us to be strangers and pilgrims in this land and to answer that question, can we live with faith in the midst of this world where there's just all this faithlessness going on, the answer is absolutely yes, we can. We have the ability, and every single person here tonight, every single person on the live stream tonight has the authority of God to go out into this world and to live strongly, to defy against what Satan wants to put into our world, to shut down your flesh and to begin to say, I am going to live for God this day and not let anything influence me from that in Jesus' name. And so before the first coming of Christ, many people of faith wandered about in the shepherds or sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Before he came to this world, there were people who desired to know him and to see the first coming of their Savior, yet they wandered around in these places with this clothing that to us we would look at that and say, man, that's despicable. I don't think I could ever do that. They wandered in these places. They didn't have the biggest houses, the biggest mansion. They didn't have the nice cars. They didn't have the things that everybody else had, but they continued to live for God because it was the one promise that they knew would be sure and true inside of their lives. I have no doubt that there were some of them that decided to look into the nations and say, man, if I just had that house, then I could, could live with joy and peace inside of this life. And maybe some of them left to go and, and, and grab a hold of that, that household and grab a hold of that car or whatever it might have been or that job that kept them from their, their daily services or, or got them out of being afflicted and tormented. And, and they went after these things that looked pleasing to the flesh, but unfortunately it very likely led them down a path that took them completely away from the kingdom of God to where one day they would not be allowed into the city that we all want to get into. And so these people, they were destitute, afflicted, tormented, they were beat. They had to carry things for the, the Romans and the various uh, empires that were involved in the, the world back then. If you know what Jesus said when he said that, you know, if somebody asked you to carry their, their um, um, their pack, yeah, for, for a mile, then you carry it for them two miles. You begin to pick that up and you go two miles. What he was telling them at that point is those people were so afflicted that if a Roman soldier walked up to them and handed him his equipment, he could literally tell you, you must carry my equipment for this mile. And they had to walk with that Roman soldier for a mile. And if they did not, that Roman soldier could throw them into jail. And Jesus told them, don't just go that one mile with that Roman soldier, but you go two miles with that Roman soldier carrying his things and his belongings. You think about a, a slap in the face of these people who thought Jesus was going to come in and annihilate the Roman government and tell them that they did not have to carry these packs anymore, yet he was telling them to carry them two miles. This was something for these people to think, man, I don't know if I want to be a person of faith. And ultimately, we might face some of these certain circumstances as well. But what we must remember is that these people who were tormented, afflicted, put in this place, the world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of them. And just like them, it's the same for us today. That we may wonder if it is possible for us to have a significant influence for good on those around us and if we reflect a different culture unlike values and, and dissimilar beliefs from those around us will our lives be winsome to them or will they reject us and unfortunately we will face 
face rejection in many of these areas, but if we are willing to live for Jesus Christ, believe me, there might be just one person that you can reach and show them that it is well worth it to begin to live for the kingdom of God. It is well worth it to sacrifice every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday to get to the house of God to pray and worship his kingdom. It's well worth it to be here for prayer and to give him praise and honor during those times. It's well worth it to sacrifice these things. But not only that, it's worth it to have relationships that are pure and relationships that are true. It's well worth it because God will pour his blessings upon those things that are there. I will tell you that the relationship that I'm involved in now, I am so thankful for what God is doing in the midst of that. But we have absolutely listened to Scripture and kept ourselves holy before God up to this point because it was our desire to do so before marriage. And yet there are people inside of my workplace that look at that and they begin to laugh at me and they begin to say things about that like it's not going to work and you don't know because you haven't tried things out. And I tell them, you know what, I believe that it's going to be the best thing that somebody could ever experience because the blessing of God will fall upon us when we do things the way that he has asked us to do them. So don't let this world or the culture around us begin to convince you that it is not right or it's bad or you're not going to have fun or joy or pleasure inside of this life because you do things the way you don't do things the way that they want you to. But begin to do things the way that Jesus has called you to do those things and understand that his blessings will ultimately fall upon your household. I can prove it in scripture over and over and over again. The biblical evidence shows that people of faith can ultimately transform the society around them. Daniel made his mark on Babylon. He lived his faith in such a remarkable way that the king Nebuchadnezzar confessed the preeminence of Daniel's God. We see this in Daniel 2, 46 through 48. It says, Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and the Lord of kings and a raviter of secrets seeing thou couldst reveal his secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him a ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief of the governors over the wise men of Babylon. If you look up this scripture, you will begin to see some recognizable names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that Daniel was not only promoted, but he said, I have three men that I know are close by my side, and I would like to promote them as well to overseeing some things inside of this land also. But the incredible thing I want you to, re- to, to remind you is that at this point, if you look in Daniel chapter 3, you will see that is when Nebuchadnezzar builds the golden idol and tells everybody they must bow to that golden idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even though they had positions of prominence, even though they had authority to say things inside of the country at that particular moment, still refused to honor the king and bow down to a golden idol idol they still refuse to do that but I also I don't necessarily want to focus on them because we'll talk about them in a later lesson in a few weeks but Daniel here at this particular place you must remember he is a governor inside of this king's kingdom and it's his friends that this king wants to kill and throw into the fiery pit Daniel is a worker for this king he is a part of this kingdom that wants to kill his friends who are living for God 
think about how tough that circumstance would be to be in. That you have been promoted somewhere and your friends are going to be killed because they're living for God by the king that you are serving every single day. The king you are speaking to, the one that you are serving every single day. How hard would it be to keep your faith in the midst of that? How hard would it be to say, man, I'm going to continue to live for the kingdom of God? Or how hard would it be to say, I'm not going to quit, but I'm going to continue to have an influence in this kingdom to see it turn completely around? Daniel kept this influence going. He had such a profound influence in Babylon that King Darius, when he came up behind King Nebuchadnezzar, commanded that all in his kingdom would worship this God of Daniel. That just like Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel made such a prominent point on this king that the world began to shift and transform in this kingdom that was evil and that was doing horrible, terrible things. It says this in Daniel chapter 6, the king commanded as they brought these had accused Daniel and they cast him into the den of lions them their children their wives and the lions had the mastery of them and break all of their bones into pieces or or ever they came to the bottom of the den then King Darius wrote to all the people nations and languages that dwell in all the earth peace be multiplied unto you I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and he rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of lions? So this Daniel prospered in the region of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. You see here again that Daniel survives this den of lions thrown in there to be devoured and ate because he was again standing for the kingdom of God and saying, I'm not going to let a decree by the king stop me from reading my Bible or stop me from praying or stop me from singing praises unto him. And it got him thrown into a pit with lions. But Daniel, the the scripture that I read, it doesn't seem to say that he sat there and he feared and he trembled and he cowered in the corner. But to me, what it shows inside of there is that Daniel went in there with faith that whatever happens inside of this place, God is going to hold me fast and get me through it, and it's going to work out for his good in the end. It would be incredible if every single one of us could walk about this world with faith like that, that whatever situation God is putting me in is going to be for his good, whether it's something that could hurt me or harm me, whether it's pleasing or unpleasing to me, I know that it is bringing good to his kingdom. Whether God puts you in front of the most evil person inside of this world and and you have to work side by side with that person at a particular time or a particular moment, we must begin to say God has done this for something in his kingdom. There's a time of good instead of saying, man, I wish that I could punch that person or take them down in the, the, the back alley and that sort of thing. Instead of saying those things, we must get the mindset that God has us in a place for a particular reason in a particular time in Jesus' name name. Somebody in this room could influence the mayor of Gillette. Somebody in this room 
could influence the commissioners of our county. Somebody in this room could begin to influence the president of the United States. And that's bold to say, but there, there, that could happen from this room in Jesus' name if we are willing to trust and be like Daniel as servants in the land that we are not meant, or that, that we, we, we uh, aren't citizens of this world in Jesus' name. Another to think about, and I'm not going to speak real long about her tonight, but Esther was another one who made her mark in Persia. If we read in, uh, sorry, sorry, uh, so Esther making this mark, she, she was one that approached the king when she could have been killed for approaching the king. The king had to invite you into his palace in order to speak to him, but Esther in faith approached the king about her people who were going to be killed by somebody inside of this king's kingdom. And the king said to her, you know what, I understand what you are saying, and so I am going to change this about it. And the king ended up hanging the person that wanted to devour the Jews at that particular point in time. It's an incredible story. You should go read it and and research it and look into it to see how God can take us from a place of maybe being scared or fearful to a place where we can go and influence nations around us by beginning to proclaim his word and living for him in Jesus' name. Jeremiah 29, it says this, Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the uh, residue of the elders which were carried away captives and to the priests and to the prophets and to all the people who Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. So let me just pause here real quick and give you a brief update. This is speaking about those that, that, that they, they were held captive and taken to the country of Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. So people like Daniel, people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were taken captive into this country of Babylon. And this is what God is going to say to them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, who I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses. God doesn't say, I'm coming in to free you from the nation that you are in. God doesn't say, you are captives inside of this country. I'm coming to deliver you from these people who are here. God says, build houses, build houses, plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. He goes on to say, take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take ye wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where ye have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. God didn't tell them to get up and leave this place of captivity, but he told them to put roots down and begin to proclaim his name in the midst of that place. So you can think about people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego hearing words from God like this of saying, man, don't free the people like Moses did. Maybe that's what their hope was. But saying, you know what? We're inside of this place, and so it is our job to change this culture, and it is not our job to remain here so the culture can change us, but it is our job to be here so that we can change the culture around us. It is not our job to be influenced by the news media around us, but it is our job to try to influence that towards the kingdom of God the best we can. It's our job to live in this world around us that some of us may say, I would rather go to heaven right now, but to begin to put roots down and say, I would rather 
remain here and witness and reach people inside of this distraughtness than to see somebody go to hell who did not need to go to hell in that place in Jesus' name. We must begin to get a passion and a desire to live for God and glorify his name in the world around us. And if we will do so, then God will be behind us, backing us up, just as he did for Daniel when he was thrown in the lion's den, just as he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were walking around inside of that fire, just as he did for every one of these people in these stories, like Esther, who could have been killed, but she was not, and she saved her people from an evil, evil man. You see, when God's will for us is to be in Babylon, we are not to struggle against that will if we do it's just going to make this life that much worse if we struggle about god's will of saying you got to stay inside of this world somewhere if we struggle against that and try to do things to change that about it's just going to make life worse you can pray all you want to say god i don't want to live in this world anymore just take me away take me to heaven and that sort of thing but ultimately, it would be so much better if we just knelt down and said, God, you have me here for a reason. I know that your hand is upon my life. I know that your spirit is inside of me. So God, I'm going to cleanse my life and begin to live for you as passionately as I possibly can. Because although I'm in the midst of Babylon, God, I know that things can change for your good in this world in Jesus' name. We are to live out our faith wherever we might find ourselves. We see that first century Christians were believers living in Babylon. And although he used Babylon as an uh, euphemism, Peter wrote, the church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, salutes you. Peter identified the location of the church as Babylon for a reason in 1 Peter 5 and 13. You see, these believers at this time were living in a world that was very similar to ours. There was the worship of false gods. They were immersed in hedonism, embroiled in self-centered pursuit of pleasure. Abortion and emphasis were widely practiced throughout the land. Sexual perversion was celebrated by some, and it was a world that was very much like ours today when Peter was writing this letter. He was telling them they were meant to take a stand, that they were in the midst of Babylon, but it was time to put roots down in the midst of Babylon and begin to change the world around them instead of letting the world influence the people who are around them in Jesus' name. Our spiritual ancestors were able to live out their faith in this world in such a powerful way that they were said to have turned their world upside down. That is one of my favorite scriptures in Acts 17 and 6 where scripture literally says that they were turning their world upside down because of what they were doing. I believe that in Gillette, Wyoming, we can turn our city upside down. Believe me, people know about the apostolic church inside of this city. There's people that listen to this live stream. There's people who are well aware of what goes on inside of this church and the authority and the power that we have to pray and see those around us delivered. And it begins to scare some and it causes some to say things about us. 
but I absolutely will walk into places and proclaim to people and tell them that just because somebody was once addicted doesn't mean that they have to be addicted for their entire lives because I serve a God who is much greater than what those, those people want to say about those circumstances. I walk into places that want to keep records about people's lives and who they are and what they have done in entire histories of who they are and I say God can deliver that people can go down in the water in Jesus name and have that entire record wash completely clean so even though governments may want to hold upon that we know that the re resurrection power that Jesus has inside of this church and so we can walk into our society and begin to proclaim the hope that God has for our city that when people begin to say those things to us and say those things to our family and when doctors give us bad news about cancer and only so many weeks to live we can say man I know the answer and I have the ability to know the master doctor that I can lay hands on somebody and see them healed in Jesus name I can see the miraculous begin to occur we can proclaim those things as apostolics living in a spirit-filled church in Jesus name and if we go into this world and people begin to defy what God has said in his scripture it is our job to stand like Daniel Daniel, to stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and not say I'm going to bow just because everybody else is doing it, but even if it's just four of us or eight of us or however it might be, we are going to stand and worship God and give him the glory for whatever might happen in Jesus' name. I think it's more pressing now than ever to say we are going to stand in the midst of our country and, and I don't know what is going to happen. India just shut their borders off. I believe it's going to happen in many other places around this world that people are likely going to shut their borders, but it will be up to us to stand in faith in Jesus' name. Who knows what our government will begin to bring down upon churches and, and what we can do and what we can't do because we will openly proclaim that we are absolutely against certain things like abortion and same-sex marriage. We will absolutely proclaim that because the Word says that in Jesus' name and we are unashamed to proclaim that in Jesus' name. But we may have some consequences as a result of that. We may have some lion's dens that we have to face as a result of that. And what are we going to do in the midst of those places when those challenges come? Will we cower in the corner or will we stand and say, God, whatever happens is for your glory. And then when it happens, we'll say, God, this really is for your glory because it will change kingdoms around for his name right before us. Think about what Daniel and his friends were living in the midst of under an oppressive government. They could have walked around telling their friends, and I don't know what they said behind the scenes, that, man, you know, I hate Nebuchadnezzar as our president. I absolutely hate him, and I don't know what we're going to do, and I'm going to post on Facebook about him because, man, I just need to blast him, and da-da-da-da-da. But instead, Daniel and his friends were willing to say, I'm just going to live for God. And even when they were approached by that person, they didn't slap his hand away and that sort of thing. They began to work for him under his authority. But ultimately, it was God. We understand that. And God began to use Daniel to influence a king who was doing some evil things, killing people in fires and causing them to bow down to idols. God used Daniel to influence a king over an entire country because he was willing to live for God. We get caught up in politics and so many different things, but man, it's more simple than that. Live for God. 
live for him and life will become so much greater in Jesus' name. So I just want you to consider this question tonight. I don't have time to get responses, but have you ever considered getting involved in a social event for the purpose of making friends, doing good, and demonstrating what it means to be a follower of Jesus? How could this be a benefit to both you and the people that you meet? There's some great benefits to be involved in your community. If you have opportunities, I would tell you to, to, to go for it, pray about it, seek God's face for it. But then if you have the approval of the pastor and you have the approval of God inside of that circumstance, begin to get involved in your community and things around us. It doesn't necessarily have to be a church thing, but get involved somewhere where you can demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ and begin to influence people around you. That is okay to be involved in some of those civil duties in our community. It's a way that we influence. It's a way that we impact and show ourselves before King in Jesus' name. So let me give you three things. These aren't on slides here tonight, but I want to give you a brief sampling of New Testament texts and how they show that our spiritual ancestors, those people that we claim to emulate as apostolics, how they not only kept the faith, but how they also transformed their world. Now some of these things might be shocking for the climate that we are involved in in our world right now, but this is how we can begin to, to see that these people began to have faith and they transformed the world. Number one, they learned to honor those in civil government even when they did not agree with them. They honored those in civil government when they did not agree with them. A scripture for this is Romans 14, 1 through 7. You can read these when you go home. Romans 14, 1 through 7. But the people in the New Testament, we see time and time again that they stood before governments. Paul, many times, came before people with hammers before him and, 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 and judges who were going to throw him into prisons and all sorts of stuff. And instead of standing there and being scared about what was going to happen, Paul boldly proclaimed that, man, I, I taught in the name of Jesus. I taught them that what they were doing was wrong. I just did what I morally thought was right, judge even though knowing he was going to be killed as a potential result of what he was doing, he still honored those in civil government even when he did not agree with them. Number two, this is 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. They learned to pray for those in civil government. These were even prayers of thanksgiving. They prayed that civil rulers would be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Rather than praying God strike them with lightning tonight, they prayed for those in civil government saying, God, reach them. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes to your word. God, I pray that you would open their eyes to your spirit and what you are doing in this world. God, I pray that you would show and demonstrate before them who you truly are. They sought God for their rulers and those in civil government that were over them. This is how they began to change their world. Prayer is powerful. Prayer begins to move mountains around us, and this is what they did at this time. Number three, in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, they learned to submit to human government 
in such a way as to deflect the criticism of the enemies of Christianity. They submitted to human government in such a way as to deflect the criticism of the enemies of Christianity. What a challenge this would be in our world today. We see turmoil going on all over, rioting, looting, all sorts of things that are highly unacceptable. But if we are to change the world around us, it's not by going up to the government building and kicking in the front door and shattering windows around us, but it's by us honoring those, whether we agree or disagree with them, by learning to pray for them passionately in Jesus' name and submitting to them even when we understand, like Daniel did to Nebuchadnezzar, that he was nothing but complete evil at that time. Wow, what a challenge for us today. If our spiritual ancestors could live out their faith, that's okay. If our spiritual ancestors could live out their faith in unbelieving world, so can we. First, we can pray because it is far more powerful than any protest in this world around us. Complaining will not and does not change anything. Complaining will not do anything about the circumstance that you were involved in. Criticism does not, will not change the circumstance that you are involved in. But prayer will change things around us. Prayer will begin to put us in the right mindset of saying, God, when I stand before that person, I want to speak the words that are yours instead of the words that this world wants me to proclaim. I want to say what you desire to those directly in front of me. God, I desire to live out a life that is for your kingdom. Prayer will begin to put our mindset upon the right track, and it's why it's so essential every day to be involved in prayer and have a prayerful life with yourself and your family because it puts you in a place where you say, I can humble myself under the civil government that is alive and well inside of the world that we live in. We're not going to change that. Since the time of kings, there have been kings and presidents and world leaders. And for some reason, it seems that we're always going to be underneath that until we get to the kingdom of God. So we might as well begin to pray and say, God, put us in a position where we can turn our world upside down in Jesus' name. Secondly, we can participate. If we live in a democracy it's our responsibility to vote, to get to places and say, I want to be a part of this decision. I have a responsibility to get there and to vote. If we do not vote, then we have no room to complain. God may even call some of us to serve in some aspect of civil government. If God tells us to do this, then we should do it with excellence, bringing our Christian character and our values with us to the public square and saying, I am not going to let this defile me, but I am going to turn the world around me upside down in Jesus' name. So pray, participate, and lastly, we can practice our faith in every dimension of our lives. Jesus did not pray that we would be taken out of this world but that we would be kept from the evil one. 
Paul did not tell us to have nothing to do with the sexually immoral people of this world or with the covetous or with the extortioners or with the idolaters. To do this, he said we would have to go out of this world or go, go out of the world. His call to separation was only from those who claimed to belong to the family of God, but who practiced those things as well. Paul ultimately challenged us to go out there and reach those involved in circumstances around us. He challenged us to be a lighthouse of this world around us. And he challenged us to demonstrate our faith before those who are around us. I am mighty tired of seeing so many people influenced by the world. They come and they find God and they know his passions and the joy and the peace that he truly has, yet the world still seems to have its grip upon them and pulls them away from this great presence that we have felt inside here tonight. Yet for those who are here in this room tonight, I think all of us have made a commitment that, man, the world no longer has its grips upon me, but I desire to lift my hands in the presence of God. I am going to go out there and influence the people around me rather than letting this world and the culture and the governments around me put me inside of a despair or inside of a place of loneliness or whatever it may be. I think for all of us in this room, we have a passion that, and a commitment that says we will never walk away from the kingdom of God and who he is. I hate the phrase never say never because to me there's some things that we should say never to. I will never return to the world. I will never forsake God in the fact of leaving him completely and never coming back to who he is. I will make those commitments inside of my life and I will absolutely say, I will say never as much as I possibly want to. I said it in the same thing and other things inside of my life that there are some things I will never touch, I will never do, I will never be a part of because I desire to have an influence on this world around me. And I think everybody in this room, you are very much so the same that we can make that commitment tonight that I am never going to let the world have such an influence upon me that I stop getting into the word of God or stop allowing his anointing or his sight to impact me. I'm never going to get to the place where I walk away no matter what happens in this life. I am going to trust in Jesus and who he is in Jesus' name. I'm going to finish by reading this story here about Billy Cole. It says, since we live in Babylon, we may think that there is a little likelihood we can convincingly proclaim the gospel. We may not know the language. Like Daniel, we may need to study it for years. Our study may include trying to understand the culture and the values of those around us. And our efforts may sometimes amuse those we are trying to reach. But if we are willing to apply ourselves to the task of being able to communicate we can be sure the Holy Spirit will confirm our efforts with signs following. We're not just talking about physical language here, but we're talking about communicating with people about Jesus and who he is. This was missionary Billy Cole's experience in Thailand. He and his wife studied the Thai language, one of the most difficult in all of the world. They attended a university-related language school full-time, five days each week, doing homework four to five hours every day to learn this language. I once heard him say the, the word cow, and, and he, he began to say it, cow, 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 and he did it like 10 different ways. He said each inflection of that word has a completely different meaning from the, infection, the, the inflection previous to that. 
Think about that. Ten ways to say the word cow and what it means. Once while learning the language, Billy went to the market to buy an onion. He tried to say onion and tie to one of the young ladies running the store, but she was shocked and the people around began to laugh. Billy hadn't unintentionally asked her to do something like Americans would think of as a kiss. In Thailand, they hug and then after they, they, and after they embrace, they smell each other. So instead of kissing, they smell. The missionary had asked this salesperson to embrace him and to smell him when he was asking for an onion. This may have seemed to be an auspicious beginning to the missionary work in Thailand, but after just a few years, 6,000 people had been baptized in the name of Jesus because of their commitment to standing fast in what God was doing inside of their lives. If we can stand tonight, we're going to close tonight with prayer. And I think if we get anything from the story, it's that wherever God has you, commit to it. And commit to what he has you doing. Study for it. Search his word wherever you may be at. Trust in him. Understand that even if circumstances don't go your way, God is there in the midst. You must look for his light in the midst of that time that you might be able to influence a culture around you in a very positive way in Jesus' name. So let's lift our hands tonight and let's let that settle in Jesus' name. God, I thank you so much for every single person that was here tonight and heard this message. God, I am believing that you are calling us to new heights, Lord, to turn our world upside down, that like Daniel, whatever we may face before us, God, we will stand steadfast in who you are, Lord, trusting in your word and your promises, God, that your blessing will shortly follow, God, and we can turn this into glory for your kingdom kingdom, God. Glory for your name, Jesus, that gives you the praise and you all the glory and the authority, God. I pray for our city, God, that you would use these to influence our government, God, to influence people around us in, in places of authority, Jesus, that it is only through you, God, that you can set up perfect meetings, God, so that we begin to see our city turn upside down, God. I thank you for what you are doing, God, and I believe that you will continue to encourage everyone here tonight in Jesus name in Jesus wonderful name amen and amen if you believe that let's just praise him one last time and thank him for who he is